Secret recordings, a Texas Rangers investigation, a lawsuit, and an apology. Today, we're taking a closer look at the turmoil surrounding House Speaker Dennis Bonnet. Plus, Beto O'Rourke ready to return to the campaign trail, why he says he must move forward in the race for the White House. Life is weird enough that almost anything is believable for a minute, but then you got to dig down deep and, and see if things are for real. Plus, you know him from the radio, conservative talk show host and Dallas Morning News columnist Mark Davis joins us this morning. This is Lone Star Politics from NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News. Good Sunday morning. I'm Julie Fine from NBC5 along with Gromer Jeffers, political reporter at the Dallas Morning News. Hi, Grome. Good morning. Did you get enough of the Iowa State Fair? I, I had a very good time. I bet you're happy to be back here. In I'm Texas, always happy right? to be sitting in the chair with you. I missed you no, last I week. Missed you as well. We begin with the political turmoil involving one of the most powerful politicians in Texas, House Speaker Dennis Bonin, a lawsuit and a Texas Rangers investigation. Conservative activist Michael Quinn Sullivan says Bonin offered media credentials to the political organization Empower Texans in exchange for the group targeting a list of fellow Republican members in the 2020 primaries. In a letter of apology, Bonin wrote, quote, I'm sorry, I was stupid to take a meeting with an individual who has worked hard to divide our house. It was a mistake. I said terrible things that are embarrassing to the members, to the House, and to me personally. You know me well enough to know I say things with no filter. That's not an excuse for the hurtful things I said or the discussion that was had. Bonin also called for the release of the recording so the House is, quote, no longer held hostage and can begin to heal. Joining us to weigh in on this and more, Democratic State Representative Ana Maria Ramos from Richardson. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Okay, first of all, you have filed a lawsuit regarding this meeting. What, what are you hoping to accomplish here? Ultimately, we want the um, Michael Quinn Sullivan to release the audio. We need to know what was said and if, in fact, there were some... Uh, there was an, a quid pro quo, an offer made in the back doors, especially during the moratorium. We need to find out what was really said and what was offered, what government, if any, um, as he is alleging, what government services and benefits were offered in exchange for him attacking or going after certain um, representatives. So basically, I'm sorry, Joe, mm -hmm. you want to know if there was a campaign finance violation then? It, oh, it, absolutely. That, that, that is a, the utmost, I think, most important that really affects all of us. It doesn't matter what party you're from, but we need to know if we are offering government benefits in exchange for some private benefit, if we are offering services to individuals or to certain political action committees in exchange for, um, if we're offering government services in exchange for political expenditures being made or directed to certain people. Now, the House Speaker himself has said, release the audio. Yes, he has. And we absolutely agree with him. Yeah. Um, you allegedly came up in the conversation. Is, is that your understanding? That and, and how do you feel about it? What, what's your understanding of what was said? And how do you feel about that? Well, considering uh, the relationship that Speaker Bonin and I had toward the end of session, it wasn't the most positive or friendly uh, relationship. We started off really great. Um, toward the end, it kind of began deteriorating. So it is my understanding that he um, used the word awful to describe me and some other words to describe some other counterparts. Very misogynistic and sexist terms, it's allegedly have been said from multiple sources who've heard the audio. So uh, it's, 
It's interesting to me that he referred to me as awful. Um, as you just read, his letter said, you guys know me for making, you know, statements without filter. I just imagine that it was a, a little more than awful is what he said. And so we're hoping, we don't know what we don't know, right? So we're right. hoping in the release of the audio, we'll get to the bottom of it. But to clarify, you personally have not heard the audio. No, they're absolutely not letting Democrats read, uh, or I'm sorry, listen to the audio. Um, and so it is from our Republican colleagues and counterparts who have had the opportunity to listen to the audio, who shared this information with us. <laughs> Go ahead, no, Julie, you read the letter of apology from, from uh, Speaker Bonin. Do you accept his apology? You know, I, I, I can't say that I do yet. I really don't know what was said. So until I know what exactly he said, what he offered, I think it's kind of um, an empty apology right now because there's not a lot of clarity of what was really happening. And, and the other individual who played a role in this is, well, now, former uh, Republican caucus chair Burroughs, he was in the meeting as well, and so, I, and I mentioned to you earlier, the irony is that he was pushing, quote unquote, the Texas Transparency Act, but he himself has been very, um, uh, in, very much in hiding when it has come to, you know, these audios, and so we really just don't know what was said. Now, we should say that we reached out to several Republicans and invited them to come on the show this morning who told us they were not able to be here. However, we've heard from several representatives in support of Speaker Bonin, including Representative Jeff Leach of Plano, who tweeted a response to the Speaker's statement of apology. This is a much, this is a quote here, this is a strong, much needed statement from our Speaker. Like me and all of us, Dennis is imperfect, but this statement exhibits a refreshing humility that admits missteps and seeks to rebuild the trust that has been broken. A great step forward for him and the Texas House. And from Representative Craig Goldman of Fort Worth, Speaker Bonin admits, like the rest of us, he is actually human. He made a mistake and is imperfect, but has apologized for his actions and has taken responsibility for them. No excuses, life lessons learned. I choose forgiveness. So there still are, you know, he, he still has support here in the Texas House. He does, of course he does, but you know, as you were reading the statements right now of Representative Leach and um, Goldman, when I first met Bonin in, an, in a meeting with the Mexican-American Legislative Caucus, I had done my research on who this individual was, and he made some very racist terms, uh, he made very racist statements, you know, a while ago in the, the Houston and Louisiana and all that, that was going on, you could just research it yourself. So. When I first met him, I asked him about that and, and, and what, if we were going to see more of that, what we were going to see from him. And, you know, he asked to have an open mind and open heart. He was going to show us something different, but it's the same. And so I don't think, you know, I think these apologies or these acceptance of apologies and stuff, it is who he is. And I think that's even more interesting or more, the, even more reason we need to know what was really said in those audios because you just do your own research. He has made statements like this before, very extreme, misogynistic, racist statements. And if, in fact, he carried the session and at the end did that again, as all taxpayers, and not only beyond the statements, but offering a quid pro quo, that is, that is something that's very, I think, can be harmful, not only for our state democracy, but in terms of the leadership of the House. And we really need to get to the bottom of what was said and what was offered. I know you want to hear the rec recording, but at this point, What's your view? Uh, do you think he'll survive? Should he survive as speaker? My personal opinion? Yes. Your personal opinion. I think he exhibited some great leadership qualities, but I think that as 
as a, as a group of individuals, as representatives, I don't think that we can have faith in that type of leadership again. And so I don't think he would be, he would draw that inspiration or that, um, because people were in lockstep and followed him and agreed with a lot of the way he decided, he, he, he managed the Texas House. I think a lot of it was really good. There was some parts that I was not very happy with. Um, and other individuals who expressed a lot of concerns to me along the way. I just, I think you need to have faith in a leader. I think a leader needs to inspire you to do better. And I don't think that that's what he's doing as a leader. So I, it, I don't think it would be a good position for him. It is interesting, though, after session, he did get a lot of kudos, really, from both sides of the aisle. He did. And it's one of the things that I mentioned to Gromer is I left there very frustrated. I left there thinking, feeling it was very, um, it, I wasn't feeling that kumbaya. And I was very frustrated thinking, what is everybody really talking about now? I understand I had nothing else to compare it to. It was my first session, and individuals were very happy, but a lot of individuals were, there was a lot of mummed silence, and people were not happy. Bills were being blocked consistently. First time in many sessions, people were like, I haven't been able to introduce a bill. So his leadership was very, um, some people said it was great. I really looked at it as an iron fist. Either you were with him or against him, and he was very clear on drawing those lines, and he, he, he did a lot of things good, I guess, compared to other sessions. But, but for me, I don't think it ended up as well. And I think this whole audio really speaks to the truth of that. Representative, we appreciate you being here with us. Thank your, you your very first, much. Thank you so your, much. Your first, uh, first appearance your here. Long yes. style politics, so we welcome you back. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you so much. I appreciate it. And still ahead, we're talking with conservative talk show host and Dallas Morning News columnist Mark Davis of The Mark Davis Show. Plus, nearly two weeks after the mass shootings in his hometown, Democratic presidential hopeful Beto O'Rourke heads back to the campaign trail, why he says he has to stay in the race. Joining us this morning, North Texas conservative talk show host and Dallas Morning News columnist Mark Davis. Mark, thanks so much for being here. Pleasure to be with you guys. Thank you. Well, we just talked in the last segment all about House Speaker Dennis Bonin. Your reaction to what's going on in Austin? Well, it, it's a mess, but the big question is how big a mess is it? Right now, all the political junkies, you, your viewers, me, my callers are all worked up about what really happened in that meeting where Michael Quinn Sullivan's rolling tape, and I guess you all covered all that. But the question as far as Bonin's fate is, how long are our memories? and how bad is this really? Uh, if there's anybody who's glad that we only have a legislative session every other year right My, now, it's Dennis Bonin. Yeah. And there he is right now uh, being really glad that we're not teeing this up again next year. The, the actual Republican conference vote on all of this won't be until the end of next year, and the actual House floor vote won't be until the beginning of 2021. That's a lot of time. Now, one of two things will happen. This story will either sort of fester and then go away, or the Texas Rangers will find something, and it will be bad, and the stain will stick. I have no idea which of those will happen right now. Yeah, you know the old saying, you can indict a ham sandwich, and you saw what happened with Rick Perry, uh, K. Bailey Hutchinson back, back in the 90s, right? Uh, set that aside, does all of this depend on the eventual release, if it is released, the timing of the release of the recording? You it, think? it might, because hearing things, it's like a video right. makes everything come exactly. to life. In this case, audio would make some things come to life. But I wonder how much more damage can be done. Uh, yeah. Everybody from, from journalists to members of the House who have heard the tapes all say publicly, it looks terrible for Bonin. So I don't know how much worse it can get. Interestingly, there's Dennis Bonin. I don't know if he's saying it much anymore. He at one point said, release the tapes. 
Really? Right. Okay. Right. Is that just kind of a game of chicken? I don't know. So I, or I, it I, might be that let's get this out there and yeah. let's move on from it. May, it, it but would would that help? It, that's a that's a great uh, old adage: is let just just face it head on and give it time to have its moment and then subside. If you're a lawmaker, if you're in the Republican caucus, uh, would you trust him after this? Oh Lord, I, I'm a big believer in redemption. Wow, you're making it me. So let me give you an answer that comes yeah. from me. I, I believe in apologies. His apology is incomplete. And I don't even know how sincere it is. I believe in owning up to what you have done. So far, the apology seems to be, gee, I'm sorry I met with that snake, Michael Quinn Sullivan. Uh, not really what we're looking for. We're looking for an apology for the appearance of impropriety, maybe even actual impropriety, right. and a pledge that I will never engage in such quid pro quos again. Then we got some time to heal. All right, I'm going to switch gears here. Uh, four House Republicans from Texas have retired. I mean, your reaction to this, this is going to be a very different looking delegation. It's, it, it is. And anytime a Republican comes out, and there they are, and it's four very different stories. We can touch on right. each if you wish. Uh, but it, it makes it a, a more challenging prospect for Republicans to keep, especially Will Hurd down there in 23. Uh, but that's the guy that most conservative Republicans were glad to see go, quite frankly, because of his recent fits of Trump hatred. But Will Hurd is a good guy with a good legacy and hopefully somebody who has many of his attributes and can stand the president, uh, the side of the president, is somebody that can win in 23. Kenny Marchin, I would think, I don't see that seat going to a Democrat, because here's the weird thing. If you go back to all of these seats, and then there goes uh, Mr. Olson and Mr. Conaway, if you go back to all these seats in 2018, the Beto effect was, was on display everywhere. So all these races, Kenny Marchant used to win comfortably, and then he won by right. only like three. Was that because Kenny's in jeopardy and 24 is going to flip, or was it just the Beto phenomenon? I think a lot of it was the Beto phenomenon. Well, we're not going to know until 2020. That's exactly right. right. Because so. Kenny Marchant won in by almost 17 points in 2016, and then that's cut down to three. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. and listen. Don't you think, too, that the areas are changing? The demographics are changing. Texas is changing. They absolutely are, but not that fast. Uh, if there's any narrative that people have glommed onto way too quickly, it's the notion that Texas is in play, turning purple, that Trump might lose Texas in 2020. Please. So uh, those changes are real, but they're happening somewhat more slowly than some with their wishful thinking might believe. I'm, I'm glad you brought, brought Trump up because I'm going to ask you about him in a second. But but you're the, the two congressional seats Republicans lost in 2018, Pete Sessions here in Dallas and, 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 and Culberson in Houston. Do you worry about the suburbs around the city and suburban women going away from the Republican Party in, because of Trump? In keeping with my prior answer, achieving some level of consistency, <laughs> not no. as much as some other folks, right. show me 100 suburban women who say they can't vote for Trump right now. Who'd you vote for in 2016? Did you vote for him before? My assertion is that if you voted for Trump in 2016, if you found a reason to vote for him in 2016, what reason have you found to change your mind now? Because you voted for him in 2016. If you were skeptical in 2016, freaked out by the tweets in 2016, maybe you are now even more. Maybe it's just a bridge too far. But this notion that he has lost a bunch of people, literally lost them, voted for him in 16, can't vote for him again, let's take whatever number that is, maybe it is outweighed by people who are skeptical of him in 16 and love him now. That, okay. com that community exists too. Trump won by nine points over Hillary Clinton in 2016. You say, 
please. Yes, <laughs> with the notion that Texas is a battleground, so Trump wins. What about John Cornyn? Yeah. Uh, Cornyn is okay. When I say Cornyn is safe, here's what I mean. I mean he's going to win. His chances of losing are precisely zero. He'll never tell you that because he can't. I so mean I, he's. I'm going to interrupt you to say that he's always the one that's saying we're learning from the campaign <laughs> from Beto O'Rourke's campaign. Of course, and, and that's exactly what you say. And the Texas Republican Party says, "Oh, you know, we got to make sure this this Beto thing doesn't happen again." There ain't no Beto in the wings, and that's not to disparage anybody running against. Corn in the Democratic Party uh, because it's going to be a, an interesting race and a close race. Uh, I don't think Cornyn will win by 13, 14, 15 points, but he ain't going to win by two or three either. I think it's a what's what's comfortable mean anymore five or six. Uh, what does Trump win by, you think? Oh, boy. Th th that is so much more of a, of a wild card. It, it depends on the economy. Really, he, it depends on the economy have, staying strong. Isn't he the wild card, though? It, well, you well, he always is, but he's both the wild card and the constant. Who doesn't know what you're getting? Okay. He's going to be him. The economy needs to stay strong, and it also depends enormously on who the Democrat is. Which of those 20-some people winds up being the opponent? Is it five? Less than five? Uh, is, uh, it, uh, is it nine? Uh, people in play? Oh, oh I, I, I wouldn't even say. If I truly would wouldn't even say because if if it's Trump Bernie he wins by 15 if it's Trump, Trump Biden. Biden Trump Kamala Harris and the economy's slowing. I mean, it's you know what? For the same reason, just the other day on the show, people said, "Here's some poll numbers, and Trump loses to these four. Trump should be worried. Nobody should be worried about anything 15 months out. Nor should anybody make predictions 15 months out." So, do the uh, do Republicans hold the House in your view? Oh my! Oh, or, or, or get it back, as the yeah. case may be. Uh, that's that's. A, I mean, the, the Texas House. Oh, the Texas. Oh, of yeah. course, of All course. Right. But G getting the House back in Washington, I think that's doable. Uh, you I, think I, that's I, doable? I, the definition of doable meaning doable. It doesn't mean I'm predicting it, as I just said, but it depends on, I think people are underestimating the possibility of a Trump wave. I'm dead serious are about you this. Underestimating, and I don't mean he wins 40 states. Are you, are you underestimating under a Democratic I don't wave. think so, because I hear about it, hear about it, read about it every day, because here are two things that are true. Democrats are going to walk on, on broken glass to try to end this presidency. Right. Republicans are, are going to walk through fire to try to keep it alive. Which number is bigger? One number only needs to be a little bit bigger. Thank you, Electoral College. Mark, thanks so much for Thank being with you. us. I can't, we got this on tape, what are we doing so we're going to see where got to come back. We want to have It you is my great pleasure. Back. Always Thank enjoy. you. Thank you. And still ahead, Beto O'Rourke makes an announcement about his presidential campaign, including why he says he won't be running for Senate after some suggested he reconsider his plan. We'll be right back. There have even been some who've suggested that I stay in Texas and run for Senate. But that would not be good enough for this community. That would not be good enough for El Paso. That would not be good enough for this country. We must take the fight directly to the source of this problem. That problem, according to former El Paso Representative Beto O'Rourke, is President Trump. Nearly two weeks after the mass shootings in his hometown of El Paso, Beto O'Rourke is now back on the campaign trail. Grom? Well, you know, he has to find a way to be relevant again with most voters in the country. After his launch, he sort of faded from view, and he's not really in the national conversation anymore, except for, you know, the El Paso shooting. He had a voice there. But he has to figure out how to get back into the, into the discussion. He seems to fade when the debates occur, 
and uh, he's not, they, people aren't just talking about him anymore. So that's his miss, mission, is to climb back into contention. And he has a lot of horses to jump over in order to get back into it. How important is the next debate for him? Well, it's important, but not just the next debate, but the next couple of months on the campaign trail. He has to find a way to break from the pack. And that's all the time we have. Thanks for joining us this morning. We'll see you next Sunday.